the Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC on ESPN Plus 37 Breakdown, picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. What is up, my friends? This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I'm your host, Dan Tom. Analyst's work you can find over at MMA Junkie, as well as LineMovement.com. But on this year program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA. That's what we're going to do here today, tonight, whenever you're listening to this. Hopefully, it's before the fight. Recording this just after weigh-ins, West Coast Pacific time, for fights that are going down in Abu Dhabi, the UAE on Yaz Island, or uh, as the UFC refers to as Fight Island for hashtag UFC Fight Island 5, UFC on ESPN Plus 37, which will be breaking down from top to bottom. As per usual, like I do with all the breakdown editions, I don't blame you at all if you don't want to listen to me. You can always skip, check the timestamps, skip directly to the breakdown, um, which hopefully won't come too long as this is an air quotes expedited edition. Or as per usual, again, you can always just skip to the very end of the episode uh, where I recap my picks and plays um you know not many not many not, not many podcasts do that recapping it at the end so hopefully you guys appreciate that um I I, I don't like to give attention to the negative and I to be honest I probably should get way more uh, between being online and then being in the MMA industry but I did have one comment on the podcast somebody saying um Ah, Dan Tom's all over the place. I can't follow him. And I'm like, good thing no one's making you, man. Um, but appreciate the positive energy because, of course, you go to those people's timeline and it's like nothing but negative. Thankfully, as per usual, <laughs> I can say that honestly to you guys. I get positive comments from you guys every week, which is awesome. And a lot of times they are about the all over the placeness, whether it's uh, my... Uh, uh, virtual internet bros there on the sound of violence um, who, who gave me a nice too kind of a shout um, uh, about it this week and um, uh, or uh, Andrew or uh, Drew Jitsu on Twitter um, at Hip Hop since 76 he's been listening since day one he's a day oneer man don't think I don't appreciate you Andrew um, Drew Jitsu uh, but yeah, man, um, I appreciate all you guys, especially on weeks like the past. Very, very challenging week, uh, and and did a, a podcast yesterday, and probably had the energy to do this podcast last night. But I was in a weird place. It was a it was a non MMA related podcast, which I will um, I've been meaning to do for a while, and um, we'll be telling you guys more about as it gets released. Um, but yeah, I don't want to get too hung up. I want to push forward and I just really wanted to give you guys, the listeners, um, with of course shouting a few in particular, but really all you guys, man, do I appreciate you guys. Uh, so we're going to recap quickly UFC on Fight Island for UFC on ESPN 16. Uh, it technically was, um, boy, I don't think I did. I, I think I made out. All right, some things saved my butt, but yeah, overall, picks-wise. Oy vee. Um, I did 5-5-1 five, five and one overall, 1-0, one and oh, and um, parlays, I guess. 0-2 oh, straight, and that was it. Um, oh, fighting shrug. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I, I can't really make it the notes. Um, yeah, but uh, Holly Holm defeated Arin Aldana uh, via unanimous decision. Um, there wasn't much to say there. You know, it, it was. It's funny. Not only was I wrong, uh, obviously wrong, but like shamefully wrong in the sense that it had to do with the Southpaw matchup, and that's usually my specialty. Now, granted, there wasn't any footage against Arena Aldana against Southpaws to know that she was going to do that. However, 
I shouldn't have overlooked that unknown so easily um, because she did the, the silliest thing and just kept circling for the outside foot. And, you know, we've seen it in these weight classes or, you know, um, with, with some of the ladies before. That's not a knock. It's just I just because I, I brought up that example. What was it? The um, Random Marcos who, I mean, um, you know, and this is in a, this is both males and females across the board. We've been seeing some crazy fight IQ, by the way, with that. But when Miranda Marcos, not when she jumped into Mackenzie's guard, when she fought uh, Ashley Yoder, like they were just both fighting for that outside foot to the point where they ran each other into the cage. Now, in this case, you had one fighter that was the wiser to that tactic and, and, and knew how to play into it, uh, which was Holly Holm. She gets fighters to circle to the outside. Um, whether they're trying to or not, by circling, you know, to the power side of the, uh, her opponent. The thing is, she's circling to the outside, making you chase. So it's not as quote unquote dangerous to circle to that power side. In fact, she is circling you into her power side as she darts in these pre-run patterns. That's been kind of the same thing. Um, the unfortunate part of that is not being wrong or not, you know, uh, if you're a fan of Aldana, that sucks for her, sure. But it, it actually sucks most for Holly because. She showed some really impressive stuff grappling-wise that she wasn't able to show. And, um, you know, prove me wrong, I thought Aldana might be the more dangerous fighter down there. Maybe that might dissuade Holly and she might go for more of a control-based game. But she was getting after it, trying to pass, hit takedowns, scramble, turn corners, you know, as best she could. Um, and for someone this late in her career, you got to give her credit, you know. Now, you know, so it... it but it, Aldana's poor performance to Holly Holm, you know... Or poor, poor choices, you know, uh, making it a quote-unquote Holly Holm fight will overshadow the improvements, unfortunately, for her. Now, I'm sure there's some of you uh, who I did see, and, and and I believe me, I get it, you know, saying, hey, credit to the doctor there, um, you know. But, uh, yeah, man, um, training at altitude and strength and conditioning, say what you will, have always been a strength of that camp, man. So hats off to them. Uh, and uh, hopefully Aldana can uh, bounce back. I don't know if she'll be championship status. I didn't think that necessarily coming into the fight. I thought maybe it was just a Styles thing. Catching a fighter at the right time, but uh, Holm is looking useful, huh? Uh, speaking of looking youthful, despite uh, not age, but physique, Carlos Felipe uh, defeated Yagen. Yagen, fucking Yagen. Check, I had a double burger. Uh, Yagen DeCastro v. Nana's Precision. Um, not much to say there. I mean, we had just the constant circles in the main event, and then we just had straight line pushing um, in the co-main. Props to anybody who caught that GIF reference. Uh, Animal House, you know. You know, Dan Tom pulling from 1978. Super relevant. Uh, but yeah, it was, uh, the stork leading the parade into the, to the wall and they just kept marching forward. That's what I felt like Yagen was. Um, Jermaine Durandamy defeated Juliana Pena via submission guillotine. Wasn't trying to be mean, but man, Pena getting subbed by two, two Muay Thai fighters for being, you know, the subspecialist or advertised to be right. Grappling specialist at the very least. That was, that was a rough go. She seemed to have a great attitude after it. Wants to keep getting after it. So good on her. But, um. Yeah, man. To no fault of Juliana Pena, not picking on her, but yes, I do believe people, you know, said that say maybe you know we overinflated. I agree, which is why I, I've um, properly picked against her in her last two uh, her last two defeats. Um, that is Pena um, and Duranda me as well. Just doesn't get enough credit, you know, for that. And now we're going to see that again because the only pairing that makes sense is Holly Holm drained her enemy, and we get to hear all you know the media again say, "Oh," and everybody in the fans go, "Oh, late shots after the bell," and you get to hear Dan Tom fucking pulling his hair out, going, "Todd fucking Anderson, it's the referee's job to get in between the fighters." Uh, it's worse because it's one of the most, you know. Referees, they're humans, man. It's the hardest job in the world. Human accountability, error, we should be more forgiving. I agree, yada, yada, so on and so forth. But what are they there for? Safety in one of the biggest, you know, most egregious things, right, is, is not protecting them from strikes, right? And the after effect of it, not just the strikes and damage taken, but the fighter throwing it gets the unfair blame of being a dirty fighter. When it was the ref's job. So we get to hear that. You get to hear Dan Tom rant about that. Yay. Kyler Phillips defeated Cameron Eltz via second round TKO. Almost would have got the sub prop. Almost would have cashed that sub prop. But between 
else just going full turtle. I mean, he was done. I'm not hating on him. To uh, the ref going, come on, come on, like encouraging him. Like I just knew him. Like okay, that's gonna kill our sub prop. Like uh, the uh, the <laughs> the ref wanted that TKO prop. He got it. No, uh, no I, I don't mind that communication. The move fighter like Jason Herzog does, but um, you know, refs involving themselves in actions in many ways seems to be a, a theme. Dusko Tortovich defeats Dequan Townsend. And I'm not salty about that, by the way. It was, it was just, just you could see it coming. Uh, Tortovich defeats Townsend. I have to feel for Townsend there, you know. Um, losing his brother and whatnot. But uh, Todorovic, man. Teddy, Teddy Todorovic there. Um, he's got that speed, even though he doesn't necessarily have the size. Uh, Carlos Condit defeated Court McGee. He was happy to be wrong on that one. Um... Yeah, man, that, 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 you, you know, always got to feel good whether you're on the right side or the wrong side. I, I'll see being on the wrong side of that one, though, because I actually am a fan of, uh, I actually am a fan of Condit. And, um, even though I was, I was really happy for him, the, the victory lapping was like, like, uh, you know, how could you have picked against Condit? Like, it's not pretend, like, I think someone tweeted a stat, like, he's only won, like, three decisions out of, like, 40-something fights, like, um, you know, he's always had trouble with durable grinders, and McGee was, again, even despite the knockdown, arguably proving it more, was, you know, even though in a loss, yes, he was a durable grinder. Um, so for Condit to win a decision against that style type, even at this stage of this career, or you could argue especially at this stage of this career, um, not as likely as, as the after as the after the factors uh, would like you to think, but that being said, I'm a big fan of Condit. I'm a big fan of the old dudes, even though it was over another old dude. So I also felt bad. But I was, I, and I felt bad for McGee too, because not only that, but then everybody was posting McGee's nose and like instead of you know highlighting the fact that he's a tough bastard and he straightened his own nose, like the dude that did like non-narcotic surgeries, kind of makes sense that he would be sitting there straightening bones and cartilage uh, in between rounds, like it ain't no thing. Like, how about giving Court McGee some? Some props, man. Uh, and then, you know, of course, it shows them eating the next day, and everybody's like, yeah, McGee's cool again. And I'm like, you fuckers. Like, uh, you know, again, I'm all about, you know, uh, cheering on the the favorites and this and that, but uh, I just have that contrarian side where I'm like, hey, man, look for the underdogs too, the other guys that overcome adversity. That being said, happy uh, Condit overcame adversity. And props to you who are on the right side who actually uh, picked and bet Condit. I mean, that's really got to feel good when you bet the guy and, and then they cash like that. Um, I, that's how I feel like when Jim Miller, you know, hits, you know, kind of a thing. So so all good there. Uh, we'll see where they patch Condit up with. I, I really would – I appreciate the hardy picks, like from uh, colleagues of mine like the Goes. Um, by the way, check out the MMA Junkie Radio interview with uh, James Krause. Fantastic. Um of course, I went contrarian, and I'm like, let's see, let's see him run it with T Wood. But how can you say no to Condit and Matt the Immortal Brown, who seem to be agreed upon? So, go ahead and run that, you know. Um, and then let's see, like uh, Diego Sanchez, Cowboy. <laughs> let's see, uh, Nate D- uh, Nick Diaz, Robbie Lawler, um, and. Uh, Shoot, let's give Dan Hardy a Woodley. Fuck it. <laughs> there's my there's my old guy hanging around the uh, high school too long. But uh, turns out Carlos Condit wasn't trying to look cool. He is fucking cool, and he looks he still looks good, man. I know he's not Carlos of a, of old, but um, now I don't feel depressed about seeing him fight again. So that was awesome. Charles Jordan defeated Josh Kulabau. Or no, split split draw. Um, yeah, you know you could argue that Jordan should have won even though it was a super sketchy first round. But uh, I don't hate it. I'm not mad about um, that kind of uh, cutting down the return on the chalk. Uh, Nazardine Imovov defeated Jordan Williams, unanimous decision. I barely remember this fight. I remember Jordan Williams getting messed up and keep coming forward. Is that right? Lomalokmumi defeated Jinyu Frevi, unanimous decision. Um... Got I sprinkled on her last minute. Casey Kenny came through, defeated Haile Alatang, Alatang Haile, a unanimous decision. Um, 
30-25 was the scorecard that I, that I came up with, too. Those kicks and damage was brutal. Luigi Vendramin, he defeated Yesenayari via first-round TKO. I already apologized in private, but apologize to my dude and anybody else I talked off Vendramini. Um, you know, my defense, I don't know if I said it on the podcast, did a specific person to ask. I said, if he goes to plus money, which he did, I don't mind a small sprinkle, but really um, wouldn't hate staying away. And of, as, of course, I ended up picking officially Yesenayari. So apologies if I costed anybody potential money there um, for being wrong on that pick. All right, let's move on to UFC in ESPN Plus. 37, 15, 39, as bad as I thought I would do. All right. So we got uh, Corey Sanhagen minus 140 versus Marlon Marais plus 120 headlining. Um, yeah, it is kind of weird to see the line continue to go in Sanhagen's favor, despite that's where I ended up at. And despite my opinion being an awful lot like how the line moved, where... I initially came in leaning toward Marais, who was justfully open as the favorite. Marais is the deserved favorite, for what that's worth. Again, back to my thing, like it doesn't matter how I frame it, and how fairly I frame it. Like I always do and do the work on and show and prove, and you know, uh, I don't get high in victory, and uh, you know, uh, just as you don't get too low in defeat, but you get the pick wrong, and it's how was modern Marais the dog? Like, it's going to be a, a total, you know, after-the-fact thing. Folks, I'm with you. Fuck it. The values on Marais. Just because I'm picking Sanhagen, the values on Marais here. I initially came in leaning toward him. He's the deserved favorite. So to see him keep climbing, I mean, almost out of principle, makes you want to take a shot, right? Uh, however, I'm not. Um, uh, I, I haven't played this fight, to be completely honest. Uh, I feel like I'm going to be staying away. I'm not telling you to stay away. Um, I may jump on something if I see an angle that I like. But really... Uh, for me, it's kind of the fairly straightforward angle or version of it. Um, you know, that, that that seems to be the narrative out there, or at least you know, uh, when I was according to slash when I was talking to uh, my co-host there, uh, Dan Le- Levy on the uh, Line Movement MMA betting show. By the way, follow uh, Line Movement MMA uh, Line Movement, I should say, on Twitter at line underscore movement linemovement dot com. The narrative, basically, Marlon Mirage within the first two rounds, at least for me. If not, I see the building nature of Corey Sanhagen picking up. Um, I used to think Marlon Mirage was deceptively built okay to go five rounds. It's just because I, I followed him in the WSOF and would frequently go back to watch those fights. And I had to go back actually that far to watch his fights then for this fight because I wanted to see him against taller strikers. And I don't think the reach and the height is going to be a definitive factor here, folks. I know... Miguel Torres was washed in only a 5'9", with not as, maybe as long of a reach, because Sanhagen's only at 70 inches. Not only, that's a good reach for Bantamweight. I'm just saying for 5'11", as long as he looks. He's got the Max Holloway thing, though. Literally, plus an inch uh, longer in reach than Max, who uh, settles at 69 inches. But, like I've explained so many people before, even before the first Jose Aldo fight, um why the reach really doesn't matter. And apropos to that first Jose Aldo fight, that's what this fight smacks of. Jose Aldo's first meeting with Max Holloway. Um, Marlon Moraes uh, also seems to need his pockets to recoup and recover, being an explosive uh, athlete there. Um, you know, power striker. You can counter, come forward. Uh, his left hook's going to be to watch out for, as well as his leg kicks. Um, going to be interesting if Marlon Marais. He's got underrated body kicks when he goes there. He just tends to headhunt. But Sanhagen, for as beautifully as he goes to the body and legs, he's also hittable to the body and legs because of his long frame and targets that he presents. And something that, you know, I'm not a big stats guy, but yes, the numbers also back that up for what it's worth. So that's going to be what what's worth looking for. It's going to be two-way street as far as that high output traffic. So don't expect Sanhagen to just come guns a-blazing, building high output off the bat. I expect him to be somewhat muted, and if Marlon Marais can you know, hit him hard enough, if not knock him out, then perhaps he can properly mute him for the duration of the fight, or however long it lasts. That being said, Marlon Marais, even though he arguably does a bit better job at protecting his legs and body, um... Still a little bit too comfortable with getting hit. You know, that was the problem 
uh, along with you know swinging too hard, but that was a lot of the problem in the uh, turning of the tide of the Henry Cejudo fight. So you go into the Jose Aldo fight, and you're like, okay, let's see if he's going to improve pacing, which he did, and you could tell he was trying to, to an extent, although he still looked to fade a bit in the third round, which is worrisome to me. And coupling that with the previous factor of the previous loss, he, he was too comfortable getting hit with Jose Aldo. Now, you know, especially a guy like Jose Aldo who's coming down in weight as opposed to just facing a guy and getting burnt by a guy who came up in weight. And the good thing about a power facing a fellow power hitter like Jose Aldo is if you are going to make that gamble, um, you're going to know really quickly whether or not you could take that power for the most times. Um, as far as uh, not getting knocked out goes, you know, sans examples like DC Stipe 2. Um, however, you could argue that it's more dangerous to have that attitude, which, again, the reason why it was problematic despite getting the win technically against Jose, he made it closer than he needed to be, right? So there's a problem right there. It's also problematic if you carry that attitude and you don't fix it um, against a fighter who seemingly invites it, who seemingly seems like he's soft-handed at first because they've got the building that pop, 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 bam, pop, 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 bam, right? That uh, is, is classic insert Rogan um, Diazism, right? Um, even though I ne wouldn't necessarily compare Sanhagen in the same way, but there's a similar theme there, okay? Uh, and that can be dangerous if you have that attitude where, oh, absorbing strikes are going to be okay. I don't know about that. Um, which is why I do think the building nature and the later round susceptibility as the fight goes on is live for Sanhagen. So um, perhaps keep an eye on the live line for either hedging opportunities if you played Marais or potential sharper opportunities depending on what kind of line slash fight momentum you are reading. Uh, for that reason, I'm going to side with Sanhagen. I also think things like the uh, uppercut is sneaky uppercuts, uh, straight shot counters, uh, things that have been problematic for Marais. Uh, I could see those uh, having some hay or, you know, Sanhagen making hay with those. So I officially took Sanhagen by decision, but I am not. I am leaving the door open for a late stoppage a la Aldo Holloway won. Um, let's see. Good luck if you played Marais, folks. Edson Barbosa, minus 270 coming down a little bit. Makwan Amir Khani, plus 230. This and the next fight is going to be another one of those cases, whether you're looking at straight plays or parlay pieces, that where it's it's chalk that's playable. Again, there's no guarantees in life, folks, uh, <laughs> especially in this game. So I'm not – there. I would never mention the L word on this uh, podcast, and I don't think that with either of the two matchups for what it's worth. I'm just saying, for example. Uh, but but I will say that does apply to these two matchups and something I've talked about before with, like, Bobby Green's The World and so on and so forth. Even the Casey Kenny's, which you could argue, which was even even higher price, that there is some chalk that is just – it should be higher. And I don't necessarily disagree with the ridiculously high chalk. Not disagree with it. I do disagree, right, at heart, right? But, like – I get and understand because we see it card after card, folks. Let's not, again, with the um, people getting pissed at the projected odds. It's like, I think I should, next article, I should do projected odds and my odds so people know that, like, I'm one of you. I get it. But let's not pretend that hyped fighters don't get bet up to minus 1,000 and are opened at stupid, you know, minus 350 to minus 500s, okay? It happens almost every week. So for me to do a projected line, not my diehard agree with me or you suck line. Is that what I wrote? No, projected line being actually much more generous technically version, more down to earth, more toward your version. Technically, if we're going by the by the sports books. Um, it, even though I agree with you guys, I get just as upset with you guys that are vocal about, you know, uh, that were coming at me for that for the, for the odds part, which actually wasn't very many people at all for what it's worth. Um, and the article did really well. Thank you for sharing it for what it's worth. But, like, it's like, let's not pretend, folks, the point of that rant, mini rant, is let's not pretend that we don't see stupid lines all the time. Now, coming from, again, this perspective of back to earth, uh, being on more your guy's side of it, of course, right? Um, why am I going to bet these minus 400s or minus 500s? They've already been bet out of range. When there are more proven products, back to my original point in the matchup at hand, Guys like Edson Barbosa at minus 270. And I know 
there's a big narrative, and I may have touched on it as far as Barbosa being done. And I know in the last five years, the only time I've officially picked Edson Barbosa was uh, to beat Gil Melendez. Um, and that's not because it was a fate on Barbosa. It's just Barbosa's style was kind of spoken for. And he's quietly improved it. Um, and he's, he's never gotten credit for certain things like his underrated wrestling or get-up ability from the butterfly guard or using the fence positions, which he's always had, and he's only improved further. And i got to imagine those skills even improved further after trading with Frank Yeager and now American top team back in uh, Florida. Um, and, you know, and people forget even in fights that he lost that were stylistic nightmares against bigger, more proven wrestlers and fighters than Amir Khani in the names of Kevin Lee or Khabib Nurmagomedov, Barbosa was doing what come the third round in those fights, defending takedowns, hitting both, rocking one with spin kicks in the third round after defending shots. You know, for nearly 15 minutes, folks. So, this is not a you know a guy who is easily worked over. And I have played and cashed on Barbosa even before that five-year mark. You know, with Southpaws who put that pressure and can keep that pressure like a Michael Johnson for nearly three to one odds, right? Uh, believe me, uh, I cashed on Amir Khani when he made his debut on Underdog Odds against Andy Ogle, which was silly in the first place, but still, been a fan of Amir Khani since then, no hate on the guy. Point is, framing all this up, is that, uh, believe me when I say, I really like Edson in this spot, man. Um, I know I've talked bad about him going to 45, but if you rewind the tape on that, I think he'll do fine here. I think he'll make the weight here. Um, It's more so, he's proven that part, okay? He put that part to rest. It's more when he decides to go back up. You know, with all the miles and the age, especially by the time he decides to go back up, I think that's when we see the bottom drop out of Barbosa. So he's got to make the best of it while he's made this commitment to come down to featherweight. Um, but I don't think guys um, with a suspect gas tank are going to be able to do that, and that is Amir Khani. And I know that's been levied against Ige, and, you know, I know, you know, uh, many people didn't score that fight for Ige. I got no problem with that. But I will say is that Ige has a, a better cardio than people give him credit for, and I think he proved that even in defeat against Calvin Cater going five rounds, and even prior to that because he would come back after gassing or losing the second, as well as Ige, of course, with the Hawaiian chin and Hawaiian heart. Um, not saying Amir Khani doesn't have heart, but we've seen the chin kind of suspectly tested, right? So you need a chin and you need a gas tank. Those are the two thing, things you need more than wrestling, I would argue, when you're facing Edson Barbosa. You need a chin and you need a gas tank. I would easily argue that, actually, is more important than wrestling. Um, so, uh, yeah, um, I got Edson here. I think he's a great parlay piece. Um, I played him inside the distance or... I, I, at the new, new book I'm playing at right now, I couldn't. I could only do plus TKO, which I got better line instead because uh, I think inside the distance is plus 115. Did a unit on plus 130. Um, I had a little bit of my free play bonus to sprinkle on, so I just used it the quarter unit uh, on round three plus 1,000 decent odds, I guess, uh, just because I could see it there. And then, um, yeah, I parlayed Edson with some people coming up that I wrote about in the livemovement.com article as well. If you want to read up on it there. Uh, ben Rothwell, minus 155, going back up in the right direction. Uh, Tabura, plus 135, come back on him. This one scratches my head, man, for the same reasons. I don't, you know, I know it's heavyweight MMA, but again, when you're having like debutantes and other heavyweights getting bet to 5-1, to one, say what you will about Ben Rothwell. You know what we're going to get with Ben Rothwell. Ben Rothwell's slow. Like, this is heavyweight. Ben Rothwell's old. This is heavyweight. Ben Rothwell looks sloppy. This is heavyweight, folks. Like, come on. That is... Dude, they let you run your bar tab when you fit that bill at heavyweight. You know what I'm saying? Like, the the closing time, everyone but heavyweights because they have nine lives, right? That's the song. Like, we know how it goes, folks. Um, You know, and, and Tabora is another guy that looks like he's been running the bar tab. You know what I'm saying? I... I, I know I need to, you know, follow the shout-outs to John Mo- John Morgan. I know if they follow the John Morgan role, careful, Dan, don't say anything you wouldn't say to these. They seem like they have a good, uh, you know, sense of humor, and Tabor would probably just nod because he didn't understand me. And, uh, you know, it wouldn't be the first time um, Dan's had his uh, pushed in by big dudes. Well, that sounded really bad. I meant it on the map, folks. <laughs> easy, easy. 
If any of you have the Dan Tom head, I know your head ran with that one. Um, I, anyway, I'm trying to be respectful as possible here, but you know, when it comes, let me finish my my, my beer belly analogy here. Uh, I'm gonna go with a guy who looks like he's been at that bar longer. You know, he knows how to handle his alcohol better, and that is Ben Rothwell, folks. Um, you know, uh, he's already came off the suspect layoff. He's already come off how many. Uh, the PED things like we've already seen him win, lose, come off these layoffs off it, you know, with or without help. Um, it, it, hashtag Nick Diaz. Everyone's on steroids. I don't care about that. Um, I don't think Tabora has the gas tank or the strength to employ the game plan that he wants to employ. He's going to push in the clinch. He's either going to get TKO'd or guillotined because Rothwell is the better striker. He is the bet- more dangerous striker. He's still a potent one for a finish, I believe. More diverse, more awkward, better submission fighter. Slow and weird as he looks, he is still durable and determined and will keep pushing for those three rounds. So I feel like Ben can win this fight any which three of ways he wants to. So at minus 150 where I got him, um, I played him straight. Um, I think like 1.85 or 1.9. I put kind of a weird number close to the two-unit range, at least for my, my liking. Um, and then I... If you want to pair uh, Big Ben and Edson for the neighborhood of plus 127, as I did, um, I did a unit on that as well. And uh, also put Ben in a uh, triple threat that we have. Uh... Oh, if you want to put, yeah, Big Big Ben with Edson plus 127. Um, and then I have yeah, and a triple threat coming up with someone later on down the line. We got uh, Durka Durka Durkis, Mark Duplesis Duplass, Mark Duplass. <laughs> Just kept buying three things there for minus 170. And Marcus Perez, plus 150. How about Marcus Perez? Remember after the Dark Knight came out and like for like two or three years, everybody, there was always at least three guys that did the Joker and they were so into being the Joker. And you're like, oh, look at me. I'm the Joker, everybody. Look at my Joker costume. And they'd work on the mannerisms, which, you know, something totally Dan Tom would do. So, of course, I was jealous of it secretly, right? But it was kind of annoying for us all. You know, he's still going with that gag on every weigh-ins for whatever reason, even though there's a guy in his weight class who actually is higher ranked, more well-known, and has the nickname the Joker. It kind of looks like him. He looks more like the Joker without makeup, you know? Uh, not, not shitting on Jackerman. So, like, my favorite, Willem Dafoe. Like, I feel like Dafoe got casted for, for 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 Green Goblin because they're like, you know, we don't really need too much makeup if we go with Dafoe. Spider-Man! <laughs> Love me some Willem Dafoe. What was that John Stewart gig where there's like some like like pock face like uh, Eastern European politician that was involved in some like election scam and he was like really sick and like they were making fun of like his pock face complexion which was really mean and then like John Stewart in the Daily Show they had a scale like he's uh, graduated from the uh, <laughs> I was like Robert Davi to Willem Dafoe <laughs> he is now doing better <laughs> it was just like a scale of guys with like messed up faces it was really messed up. Wow, Dan, way to sidetrack again. Um, that's why you piss off these listeners, Dan. You know what? I make, I make, I make, I make fans of other people. Uh, what the fuck was I? <laughs> yeah, about the matchup, Marcus Perez, basically like the impersonation of the Joker. Like it doesn't stop at the weigh-ins, and in fights he'll do like his fighting style is like layers of impersonations. He's like, all right, it's time to do Anderson Silva up elbow, Tony Fricklin vibes to try to scare them off. And then when they come in, I'm going to do like a Leota Machida counter. Um, maybe then a Luke Rockhold check hook. And then he's like, he's like, it's like, it's all just impersonations of fighters. And when you can push through and read that, his game can fall apart and you can kind of um, allow him to just dance himself into a decision loss. Uh, Duplice, hard to tell from the e- EFC. Um, it looks like he's really killing himself to get down to welterweight. So both these guys uh, look like they're fighting in the right weight class. Um, he comes from like boxing and has like judo credentials, but his wrestling actually doesn't seem too bad. He's got a little bit of wrestling actually too, but you don't know how good these credentials are. But the fact that he did them, you got to give him some credit for, right? Uh, being from South Africa, South Africa, and he is there. Uh, I also suspected that Ernie Els was racist, you know? Oh, I don't like the tug of woods coming on the scene. <laughs> Damn, stop generalizing South African people. Uh, anyways, uh, wow, sidetrack. Um, yeah, 
I'm going to go with uh, the South African guy on that note after I just, you know, randomly uh, disparage and, and, and generalize their, their, their golf legend. Uh, yeah, I'll go with, I'll go with Duplice, um, who actually seems like he's got more process to his game. Um, I, I, it's not on my avoid list. You can play it if you want. Um, I, I didn't, I didn't touch this fight. Um, Tom Aspinall looks like a, looks like Frank Mir and a PR, PR man for Bellator, Danny Brenner. Shouts to Danny Brenner. Uh, who actually looks like Danny Brenner straight up, if I'm going to be honest. Uh, Tom Aspinall does, who loves to box it out. I think he's got some boxing accolades there, but you know, he's got the British MMA, uh, regional titles and a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt to boot if it goes there. He can handle himself quite well. He moves pretty light, uh, stays light for a heavyweight. You can tell he trains with Darren Till because he's got like that pull right-hand counter. Um, not a lot on Alan Badu other than getting flatlined in the aforementioned EFC by uh, Dolce La Giambula. Um, I don't like saying Dolce Champion. Uh, not that he can't be champion. It has nothing to do with his championship material. It's just that it's like, yeah, it's like the Joanna champion, right? Um, but, yeah, I'll go Aspinall here. Um, I think he opened that, like, possible playable chalk in the 300 range, did he? If he did, 350, yeah, that was parlayable, or, you know, or if you went big on him there. I mean, if you got the bankroll, I guess. But, man, it's, it's just bet out of range for a for – a, for a schlum schlep like me. Uh, that was probably a really bad word. I apologize. My uh, Jewish brother in there. Yusuf Zalal. Minus 160, plus 140. I was like, why is Yusuf Zalal plus 185 earlier this week? And I could see why. Um, even though I was leaning toward him on the Line Movement MMA betting show. If you remember my co-host Dan saying there. So take another look at Ilya Tuporia. And I'm glad I did because after I did my own study and research... Yeah, man, the dude does look like he's been grappling and indoctrinated into grappling since the age of four from his fascia. He's now a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. Moves very well. Really impressed with what I saw. Um, even doesn't seem to look bad on the feet. It's kind of a good boxing process, good stance. Parlays his level changes and come up high with kicks. Seen him get a straight-up knockout and stiffen the dude on the feet, who was um, also tall and switched his stance. Um, has fought a lot of southpaws and switch stance guys. Doesn't seem to be out of sorts. Cardio seems to be there too, even though he hasn't seen round three. Ultimately, we'll have to see. Ultimately, only time will tell. Both of his cardio and if his grappling truly is in game over, over territory. But I think he could be heading toward a game over territory top fighter, uh, a specialist who can really put some strengths together. Um, perhaps like a young Charles Oliveira. He fits the age, and Bill, I believe he's only 23 without looking, and I know Zalao is only 24. I also love the attitude of Zalao. Comes from a great camp, super well-rounded. Brazilian jiu-jitsu purple belt in his own right. But seeing guys like Jordan Griffin get on his back and just seeing that his style offensively or defensively, good or bad, involves him changing levels, involving in scramblings, that's not what you want to do with this guy. That's the mistake that almost everybody's made. So... I'll be curious to see if Zalao looks to stick and move more. Um, he'll have the cage size to do it. Uh, I just can't trust that Tapura doesn't get his fight. I love Zalao. I think he's got a great ceiling. I think he's in the right weight class. Um, I just think that this is one of those early prospect style losses via submission, styles, matchups that sneak up on you, however you want to frame it. I think this is it. So I played it while it was at plus 150. Um, we'll see where it goes. I still think it's worthy of a look at plus 140. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I played it at uh, Tapuria plus 150, straight up, 1.5. Um, it was my only dog play, so I went a little heavier than most despite having decent odds on it already. Next fight, Tom Breeze minus 260 versus KB Bular plus 220. I really wanted to look at Bular for an upset pick, and that's not to fade Breeze. Uh, for the normal, re uh, for the typical reasons, but yeah, you can't. It, it's hard to trust Breeze, though, right? Even though he's the official pick, he's a southpaw. He's a guy whose style I liked. I mean, this dude came out looking like the freaking Kurgan with the dark eyes and evil. And uh, yeah, he's admittedly struggled with some anxiety, and that's not a knock on the guy as I sip my coffee. Dan Tong definitely has a dabbling of that and much more. You know, he's very. You know, I'm very susceptible, or not susceptible, yeah, that too. I'm very sympathetic toward, uh, you know, mental health, and I'm, I, I believe that the, the strongest dudes are the, are the guys who can admit things and be vulnerable. Uh, that being said, you know, we are talking about, you know, um, 
putting biases aside, which is my job. My job is putting bias aside and breaking down fights, whether it's uh, from a gambling perspective or not. I got to put that bias aside, but especially from a gambling perspective, as big gamblers listen to the show, and I respect that. Um, I got to do my best uh, to present those angles. That being said, Bular, besides some great uh, interviews about Jurassic Park, and he seems like an endearing, likable guy himself, just like Brees, uh, didn't offer much as far as the film, so I could not pick him or venture an underdog shot here. So the pick is definitely Breeze. It's a playable parlay piece if you trust him. You know, it's just hard. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be optimistic about Breeze with the back to that first theory early in the pandemic era about other fighters who have admitted performance anxieties or anxieties in general. Um, we've seen them pull things off and do well. Uh, so, you know, they don't have the crowd. They don't have as much media in your face media. Um, so hopefully that plays in a guy like Breeze's favor because when Breeze is on, he is such a fun fighter to watch. I love his jiu-jitsu as well. It's very underrated. Um, so give me Breeze. I hope for Breeze to do well here. Rodrigo Nascimento, minus 260, comeback on Chris uh, Dukakis, Dukakis, plus 220. Um, yeah, man, I was like, wait a minute. Why is Nascimento favorite over uh, a brown belt close to black belt level? And I'm like, oh, it's Chris, not Kyle. Um, that being said, Chris, despite the, uh, you know, a lot of these guys at heavyweight, especially in this era, we're really bringing back the, uh, you know, the uh, the bar fighter bod. I don't even want to say dad bod, you know, but don't don't judge Chris Dukakis. He can go up high with the kicks. We've seen him do it before, right? Um, really like those brothers. Uh, I don't know why. I just do. But I've seen them both through contender series maybe. But I also saw Nascimento through Contender Series, who earned a decent grade, and uh, I could see why he's favored. I don't think he should be that favored. Again, folks, anything north of minus 200, you need some proven uh, skills. And Nascimento, for what it's worth, he does have some skills in a process, albeit just a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu purple belt. He's got uh, some decent skills to get it to the floor. He's not exactly changing levels and doing athletic shots, but he knows how to use the cage and the bounces off it and, you know, sweeps and... <coughs> basic stuff such as that uh and he's got some good passing and good wherewithal he's not rushing he plays his position smartly uh he can strike uh you know against southpaws or orthodoxes and seem not too out of sorts um so i'm gonna pick him here but i I, i'd be careful about playing that chalk um i'd also be careful about playing the dog odds i feel like this gets sloppy um so if you're gonna give me plus money on a 1.5 um I've not listened to our friends over at the analysis, but I'm sure this is probably their special as well. And I don't want to steal the Dukakis name. It just again the '90s, early '90s, late '80s references there are going to play. But uh, yeah, I went uh, Dukakis Nascimento over one uh, 1.5 plus 115 uh, quarter unit on that. Let's just see where it goes. All right, next fight. Um, Impa Impa Pimpa Kasanga nine minus 240. Joaquin Buckley, plus 200. Um, yeah, initially I'm like, is this too wide of a spread? But I'm like, no, man, I'm impressed with Impa as well. He, you know, is a prospect, who, one of the more smarter prospects in some time, you know, puts together the quiet things you don't get credit for, like body work and level-changing takedowns, composure, um, high-percentage play, positional play. Uh, Impa shows these signs and nothing but growing. Uh, even training with guys like Chris Weidman now, who has now moved to the south, so he's joined that kind of training crew uh, down south there, already training with some south paws, which will come in handy against Joaquin Buckley. He's had Brian Barberina in tow recently, and, of course, the south dog, south dog, down south. Uh, you know, so he's got the south paw looks. Um, so I like Impa Kasangana here. Uh, you know, no, jo- Joaquin Buckley doesn't come from wrestling, jiu-jitsu ranks, doesn't come from boxing. You know, just a athletic kid who wanted to stay competitive from his profile peers and just jumped into it right off of 18, you know. And he definitely is, you know, a fun action fighter, and I think he can develop into one. And if he can get the upset here, good on him. But I think minus 240, especially in comparison to what some of the other prices are for what you're risking, I think that's playable chalk, which is why it made my playable chalk. So I, if you wanted to do a more of a chalky chalk, chalk, chalkerson with Impa and Edson at minus 120 for 1.75 units and follow me off that cliff, you can. Or to round out the two two-manners and just combine all three of the usual suspects in the equation of chalk, playable chalk, Impa, 
Kasanga and I, Edson Barbosa, Big Ben for the neighborhood of like plus 220-ish or something like that. Uh, I threw a little bit on that myself. So uh, I kind of did a a layering parlay. Uh, You you don't have to follow me off that cliff, just being honest in what I played there for that. Okay, next fight. Tony Kelly, money coming in, minus 225. Ali Alcasey, plus 185. You know, Ali Alcasey footage in one uh, eye, out the other. And then same thing again after I watched the fight live. And then I went back here and just not impressed, man. I don't, don't get it. I just, there's not a lot there to like, not a lot of activity. Um, you know, I want the guy to do well. Seems like a, a nice enough guy. And, um, but uh, I was more impressed, even in defeat. And, you know, yeah, you're sure you could argue that he won that fight. But uh, regardless, the scorecard, not trying to argue that. I was more impressed with that showing of Tony Kelly, especially some of the things in the clinch and some of his auto tune stuff there. So if he can avoid uh, falling into Al Casey's strong points, I think his activity and grit. Um, can carry through. Perhaps I'm not alone there, which is why money's coming in on him. So perhaps he's a, a number to play with, but at this point, probably a parlay piece or stay away unless you really like Al Casey there. Um, next fight Omar, Omar, Omar Morales, minus 160, Chicka Chikazi, plus 140. Uh, can Jigga land a Jigga kick? We, we shall see. Is it, was it, what weight is this fight? 155, right? Because Omar is coming down to 145. That is kind of, you know, you know questionable. You're like, it's his first fight there. Pandemic era. The guy doesn't look like he had too much to lose. He's pretty thick. But kind of like Edson, you know, we said the same thing. And I think both those guys are not exactly a similar build or anything. But they come from that similar tie-tie boxing background. Damn you, Ryan Wagner in the Eight Limbs podcast. Tie, tie, boxing. Um, come see the ties. Uh, damn it. Uh, you know, and like, you know, they probably play that song, just do extra, extra work, works on the bag, extra, extra, you know, run some extra laps, things you can do during this pandemic era, cut them calories. I think they'll show up fine. Um, you know, uh, rooting for, shout out to John John Rico. I mean, always rooting for his boy, Jigga, and that's why I came in leaning toward, but, um, I, this is going to be a stay away. I didn't do full tape study, but after rewatching, uh, refreshing myself on Omar's last fight, and that was one of the, uh, it's so weird seeing your tweets on the broadcast, especially when you go back to watch fights, you're like, what the, get that, get that ish out of here. Is that idiot talking? Um, I picked that fight wrong. Cause you know, I liked my Southpaw Gabriel Benitez. Uh, but Omar, man, he's got, and especially in that fight, right? Drops the first round, comes back. He really has those Brad Rydell vibes. Like I said earlier this week on Wednesday, um, he's got those Brad Rydell high. Shout out to the Verbal Tap podcast for that reference. Um, and uh, he's just really well rounded. Training Sanford MMA, you gotta like that. It's got that South American grit, man. Toughness, chin. Um, unless Jigga can get him with like a Jigga kick or surprise him with some type of uh, submission or something. After you know, it's like a Halaba, you know, Burgos where he does the knockdown and then gets immediately caught or something like um i feel like uh morales can grit this out uh grit out another decision here uh brad rydell style so he's gonna be the pick uh, which is why i don't necessarily hate the line but this is gonna be on the void list because i am not gonna tell you where to put your money um on this fight all right next one i didn't it's on the avoid list i didn't do any tape study for this apologies ladies tracy cortez minus 185 uh stephanie edger Making her debut, I believe, plus 160. Um, Cortez opened big at minus 305. So money coming in on Edger, interesting to see. Good luck if you played that. I'll pick Cortez, but it's going to be on my avoid list for the aforementioned reason. Doesn't mean you have to avoid it. I just did for obvious reasons. Uh, Tajir Ulanbekov, minus 460. Bruno Silva, plus 365. This was kind of a crazy wide line, but I didn't get a chance to look into it. And because it opened, both opened and stayed wide, at minus 455 to now minus 460 in the neighborhood of. Um, it kind of took away my interest. You know, it made me go, ooh, I keep, my highs aren't back, folks. I'm sorry. End of the week. As I try to do a poor deflation, uh, seventh grade humor choke. Um, so, yeah, I'll take Tajir, um, but take that for what you will. I That's a blind pick right there, folks. Uh, all right, so how do we do on time? Not too bad, 49. All right, recapping here. Taking Corey Sanhagen over Marlon Marais. Taking Edson Barbosa over Makwan Amirkhani. Taking 
Big Ben Rothwell over Mason Tibura. Taking Durka Durka Durkis, Mark Duplesis, Mark Duplass over Marcus Perez. Taking Tom Aspinall, a.k.a. Danny Brenner, over Alan Badu. Taking Ilya Topuria over Yusuf Zalal. Taking Tom Breeze, Kurgan, over KB Buller. Taking Rodrigo Nascimento over Chris Dacus Dukakis. Taking Impa Pimpa Kasangan and I over Joaquin Buckley. Taking Tony Kelly over Ali Alcasey. Taking Omar. Omar Morales over Chica Chikazi. Taking Tracy Cortez over Steffi Edger. Taking Tajir Ulambekov over Bruno Silva. Uh, parlay pieces. Uh, I think Edson Barbosa and Bacasangane make good parlay pieces. You parlay them together for minus 120 as I did. If you want to follow me off that cliff, also took Edson and Big Ben together at a plus 127 neighborhood. And also, if you really want to follow me off a cliff, if you're feeling lucky, just parlay all three of those guys, Impa, Edson, and Big Ben, plus 220 neighborhood. Uh, also, straight play, Big Ben took him straight up when he was at minus 150 for 1.75 units. Also took Tapuria when he was at uh, plus 150 at 1.5 units. Uh, for props, I took Edson by TKO, plus 131 unit. Edson, round three, a little sprinkle, plus 1,000 quarter unit. little sprinkle. On Dukakis Nascimento over 1.5 plus 115 for a quarter unit. Uh, avoid list, uh, Silver Ulambek, Suva Ulambekov, uh, Edger Cortez, and uh, Chikadze Morales, uh, mainly because of my lack of tape study. Thank you, guys. Uh, give this a like if this is on YouTube. Subscribe to my channel on YouTube. Help me out there. Daniel, Tom, MMA. Uh, Positive reviews and leaving the reviews and the five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts is a big help. I keep getting asked about SoundCloud and Spotify. I'm going to get on there, folks. I promise. It's probably going to have to wait till I finally take my first vacation, which I don't know how much of a vacation it'll be due to bury my grandfather and possible dog surgeries. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to look to do it then. I apologize. Thank you for staying with me. Uh, you can also check out these smartphone-friendly players on MixedMartialAnalyst.com. While you're there, if you want to support this podcast, uh, you can also click the PayPal donation link from a dollar to anything helps. Thank you there. Or if you don't want to spend any money at all, and you want, but you want to support it for doing your own shopping, then go ahead and click on the Onnit banner for all your health stuff needs. I enjoy the hemp protein personally or the Amazon banner. I know we don't like to admit it. We probably use Amazon more than we should, but I know you all use it. You go to MixedMartialAnalyst.com, click on the banner on the side. Uh, just a couple extra clicks you go through your shopping at no extra cost to you a small percentage of whatever you buy will get kicked back to this podcast which I assure you it is used uh, so thank you there good luck on your picks and plays this weekend and always protect your neck <laughs>